0: This is the Doctor Who Podcast and you are most welcome.
1: It's another episode of the Doctor Who podcast and in this episode we will be rubbing our crystal balls and we'll be doing a few predictions for what the DWP think will be happening in the world of Doctor Who in 2011 and we're going to predict them now and then revisit it in a year and see just how wrong we all were. Welcome, one and all, to another Doctor Who Podcast. Pleasure to have your company, and James and Tom, a pleasure as always, guys.
0: Yeah, hello Trev, hello Tom.
1: Hello, hello. Before we get into the predictions, just a couple of housekeeping announcement matters. Um, first thing, probably by now you've listened to our Christmas special, which came out, of course, at Christmas last year, and I hope you all enjoyed that. What we're about to release, just on the forums, is a little file which is us three preparing for the Christmas special episode. Now, what we basically did is we sat down with the script that ourselves and the udcast put together and we read out all the lines. Now, because we didn't have the Udcast with us at the time and so we could get all the syncing right and make it sound right, I did the voices that the Oodcast provided. So what we did is we recorded that. So for those that have some sort of macabre, bizarre interest in listening to the DWP fall over their faces and listen to unedited episodes, um, we're going to be putting up that special recording session totally unedited totally without anything removed up on the forum so what you have to do is visit the dwp forums go to the area for the doctor podcast and go to the christmas special thread and there'll be a link there where you can download the mp3 of us three having a bit of a stab at the lines for the christmas special so it's for those out there that love listening to us unedited so Check that out. We, we won't be putting it on the feed, so don't check your feed for that. It'll only be something you can get via the forum, so please go grab that once you've finished listening to this episode. One last thing. We have one spare bed available for anyone going to Gallifrey 22 in five or six weeks' time. Now... If you haven't sorted out your accommodation and are going to Gallifrey and want to stay at the hotel, then please get in touch with me at trev at the thedoctorwhopodcast.com. We've got one spare bed going from Wednesday night through to the following Tuesday, and that encompasses the whole convention weekend, so if you're interested, get in touch with me.
0: Okay, it's a new year, so we thought we'd try something a little bit different on the Doctor Who podcast this time around. Um, Given how adept Trev, Tom and I are at predicting things in the Doctor Who world accurately, we thought we'd actually try and do it officially this time. We're going to be taking a look ahead into the next 12 months, as Trev says, in our crystal balls. And we're going to come up with three forecasts each um, in terms of what we think will happen or is likely to happen in the Doctor Who universe over the next year or so. So this could be quite a lot of fun, particularly once we get round to listening to this in about 12 months time, we find out that all of our predictions are so far from the mark, it's unreal, but there's there's no real parameters here we're not going to be focusing exclusively on the Matt Smith era, we're going to be taking a look at Doctor Who in general So I think in order to kick us off, let's say Tom, what's your first prediction that we can laugh at And uh, deride.
2: Right. Okay. (laughs) I think that at some point, in a very nasty way, both Amy and the doctor will be impersonated.
0: Aha, Okay, And your basis for this presumably is the trailer at the end of the Christmas special. It
2: is. It is. I mean, I looked at it and I thought, she doesn't look right. And I looked at him and I thought, he doesn't look right. And then I turned on the TV and thought, oh, look, it seems that Amy and the Doctor may be impersonated by a third party.
0: Uh, Interesting. I mean, you look back through the history of Doctor Who and, I mean, can you think of, I don't know, any fewer than about four or five instantly, Mm. uh, four or five stories instantly, where the Doctor or the Companion were possessed by an alien menace at some point. So in, in a way, I kind of hope that you're wrong on that one, because it's such an old little thing that's happened. You know, the Doctor appears to be the Doctor, but isn't really the Doctor. Uh, as far back as I can think as as uh, the chase, where the Daleks came back with the mm. doppelganger of, of, of the Doctor. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see your basis for, for making that prediction, but I've got to say, uh, unless it's done in a very unique, interesting way, I do hope you're wrong.
2: Well, do you know, I would quite like to see a story where the lead actor got to, got to play two roles again. I mean, not unlike um, Family of Blood, but something more like The Massacre or um, The Enemy of the World, something like that, where the two characters are mm. hugely distinct, something like that.
1: Now, so- is it any coincidence, perhaps, if Tom is right that Meg Loss is being released on DVD this year. That has Tom Baker playing two parts. It does. Do you know, mm. I think to
0: entertain have probably missed a trick here. They could have had a doppelganger box set. And um, <laughs> I, seem to, <laughs> I seem to remember that this was one of our questions in our quiz. Uh, a few few quizzes back, I think, was, mm. was, was named the... Uh, the episodes or the stories within the classic era where the Doctor did play more than one role. And I think there are more Doctors who are featured in doppelganger stories than those that haven't, actually.
2: Yeah, I don't think Pertwee did, and I don't think uh, Mr McCoy did either, um, or Colin Baker. But the rest of them, I think, all did, apart from number eight. Shall I stop that now, I think?
0: (laughs) No, no, I I think you're right, actually. Um, Yes, and David Tennant did also. Yeah, yep. Going back to that specific part in the trailer, Tom, what was it exactly about the performance, or the very brief performance, that you saw of, of Matt Smith and Karen Gillan that made you think, right, that's different?
2: Well, for each one of them, it's like two different things. Um, at one point, Amy's saying, I need you to do this for me, but you can't ask me why. And her pupils look incredibly dilated, and she just... Although Karen Gillan's diction is quite uh, unique and specific, there still seemed to be something quite other about it. It was that, and uh, and the old boy was being very much, oh, okay, well, I've got to trust you completely. And he seemed to be quite knowing about it. But And then for the Doctor, although he's tied up as a as a prisoner, wearing a beard, that could well be him having been left there for a certain amount of time. But again, my immediate feeling mm. was that's not the Doctor. Interesting. It's just someone that looks like him. But then
1: again, <laughs> I'm slightly
2: paranoid, so that might be it.
0: <laughs> well, let's move on to, to to your first prediction, Trev.
1: All right. Well, mine's got nothing to do with the next season, but it's an interesting one that actually I've been mulling over for the last few months, e- even before we talked about predictions. Um, we're going to see books in the next year, I think, that will feature past Doctors, original novels that feature classic series Doctors. That'd be good. Now, the reason for that, while Doctor Who came back in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston, I think really the reimagining and rebirth and revitalization of Doctor Who in its new format happened in the David Tennant era. But now we've got Matt Smith on board and things seem to be calming down. You know, we're getting into a thing where, like, a Doctor Who's going to be on our TVs for the next 500 years and, and it's, it's all getting into a nice, wonderful, familiar groove and I really think the time is ripe now to start introducing classic Doctors back into the printed word because we, we really don't have that and, and I think also the time is right to cater for what must be a very sizable older audience of Doctor Who fans who have been with the series since the classic era to give us more, for want of a better word, adult novels which we used to get in the late 90s.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, the the only kind of stories that we've had in print, brand new ones recently, are the Big Finish Short Trip series. Yeah. And those um, anthologies have been going, well, they before they were curtailed last year, they've been going for ages. And obviously Big Finish appeal very specifically to the hardcore of Doctor Who fans primarily. But I, I think you're right, from a fan's point of view then, yeah, past Doctor novels, original mm. past Doctor novels, are, um, are missing from the the fans' canon, if you like. You know, that's probably not the right word, mm. but um, they're certainly missing from fandom, and I'd very much like to see them. Who do you think would actually coordinate that? You, you think it would be something the BBC would want to do?
1: Well, um. I, I I was going to say all deference to Big Finish, but I really think we need novels with the BBC imprimatur on it. We need... A book series from the licensee itself and that mm. then gives it the amazing publicity and the amazing exposure that that will guarantee it's a success i'm i have no doubt i mean i haven't read what big finish have done but i'm sure they're fantastic but i'm sure we all agree they don't get as bigger audience as they probably deserve no. and uh, but i think something brought out by the bbc would
0: I wonder. I wonder if the market is there. I mean, I know you said the, earlier quite right that the interest within Doctor Who really kicked off again during the David Tennant era uh, because he was so accessible I think to the, the non-fan if you like. But I wonder whether or not there really is such big a market or sufficiently sizable market for a past doctor range to be commercially viable.
2: It depends on where you sell it. If you went out after uh, one of the new series episodes had aired and said, um, all right, look, that you can, you can buy these books with the first, second and third Doctors. Then, OK, I think I'm kind of with you. But if you took the books to a convention or you took them to a, a Doctor Who convention or to a sci-fi convention, I think they do rude business. The, the other thing, of course, to think about is that it's the 50th anniversary coming up soon. And mm. um, you know, my understanding from um, a, a friend who, who does this sort of work is that that planning is way underway. Uh, even in, even as far back as last year, people were apparently sat around uh, sat around rooms talking about what they're going to do for the fiftieth anniversary of Doctor Who. So th- something tied in to that sort of activity, I think, may well reexpose the, the the earlier Doctors to a new audience. I mean, and and why would you not do that? I mean, there's there's fifty years worth yeah. of TV there. Uh, if you can if you can find an excuse to to show it and then generate sales off the back of that too. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting is there's a, a certain amount of um, option paralysis in the world. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that phrase.
0: Yeah, I know what options is. I'm not quite sure what... Um, impact paralysis would have on them.
2: Okay, I I think, and someone I'm sure will will correct me, that that Aldous Huxley said that essentially all the things we love will kill us. Um, Too much choice (laughs) means that you don't know what to do. And there's a certain amount of death of the underground in as much as nothing is off-limits anymore. So you get people who don't really explore too much in popular culture it's possible to say well look you know what? here's Doctor Who there's 50 years of it and you can have any one of these doctors here's some more of the first Doctor here's some more of the second Doctor one of the things I find really really heartening about doing the podcast is that people uh, will send feedback saying thanks for telling us more about the second Doctor after we did that Patrick Troughton retrospective I'm now going to go out and buy some I'm going I'm to explore it a bit more so if William Hartnell's work is offered to people because it really it's different but it's really really good and he is the original and some would say the best so you know um, so mm. if people can be more exposed to that back catalogue in a in enthusiastic way, then perhaps uh, you know there, there would be sales for some past Doctor novels. I mean, you, you and I both know we, how much we love the tra- the, the original Target yeah. books.
0: Well, this, this this is it. You see, I, I I think there is some potential there, but I also think the BBC are very very commercially aware these days. You look at the history of of, of BBC books very quickly of of, um, of all books, not just the past Doctor books, but what was at the time the Eighth Doctor range. Mm. BB took back the license from Virgin after Virgin had been doing a sterling job the minute they thought there might be general interest within Doctor Who again Mm. and that's when you got The Eight Doctors by Terence Dix launching uh, the Eighth Doctor range the same month you got and I can't remember what the very first past Doctor story was um, but that range was launched as well and that was because the BBC decided, right, there was money to be made here. And they continued running with that range for as long as it was viable. Um, they eventually reduced their release rate, I think it was to about once every two months, and then they dropped the past Doctor range completely, eventually allowing Big Finish to pick it up and just carry on so I don't think for a second the BBC will allow anybody else to make money out of um, past Doctor adventures if they believe there is money to be made I just don't think they will do it so I, I don't think the convention audience is simply big enough a market now Tom I, I, it's even if you look at Gallifrey where you've got well, I think there's going to be over 2,000 attendees over this weekend. he has got 1,500 pre-booked already. If you sell 2,000 copies, that did better than most of the New Virgin New Adventures. So, And, and they still didn't make any significant amounts of money. There wasn't great amounts of money going to the writers uh, of these novels. So as, as much as I would absolutely adore reading some original good stuff, you know, in addition to the short trip stuff, the big finish of that one, I haven't got through even half of that, Um, then I I just can't see it happening. If it does happen, it will be the BBC of that, I am certain, um, unless they want to use somebody else as a bit of a pilot. But then it will be a very limited licence. There won't really be any kind of continuity. Um, And the only other option is someone like Telos Publishing, which is David J. Howe's company now. And they lost the uh, ability to write Doctor Who novellas some time ago for the same reason. The BBC wanted all the cash for themselves.
2: I think the general thing would be is that it would be lovely. I would love to read some new past Doctor adventures, but that might impinge on one of my other predictions, but we'll see when that comes Ooh. around. Ha-ha. <laughs> I
0: suppose we should move on, really, shouldn't we? And I suppose it's my turn. It is. All right, well, my first prediction, I think, is actually going to be a little bit controversial, perhaps, um, and it does concern Matt Smith's era... And I think 2011 will see the announcement that Matt Smith is moving on from the role. No! Bear in mind how long a period of notice we got from David Tennant. Mm. I think that was something like a year and a bit. Mm. I don't think Matt Smith will stay in this particular role for more than two and a half, three years. And if that's the case, and the BBC, which they don't necessarily have to do, but if they do follow the same kind of publicity methodology that they use for a tenant's departure then it's quite possible that towards the end of this year we will hear that matt smith is going to be leaving the role and the search will be on for the 12th doctor i i hope it's not the case but you've got to look at this from a career aspect from matt smith as well i mean he was a he was a jobbing actor before quite a successful one and he was definitely up and coming big finish had attempted to try and get hold of him Uh, before they knew that he'd been cast as the new Doctor. And he was definitely on the radar for for great things, there's no question of that. But Doctor Who, as it does, absolutely meteorically rises actor's status. I mean, it did for David Tennant and and, um, I think for Christopher Eccleston as well, to a degree, despite the fact he was extremely established before he went into the role. And I think the offers that will be coming in for Matt Smith now will be so, so great that he will be wanting to do other things. And remember when you record Doctor Who, that's nine months of your life in the year taken out. Nine months. You have very little time to do anything else. And so I think at the very least, he'll be, be considering... Yeah, what do I do next? What do I do when I turn sixteen years old, or however mm. old he's like, <laughs> uh, in, in uh, this year? But, but here's the
2: thing, though I, I, that, that is indeed a controversial pre- uh, prediction that Matt Smith will leave. Um, no,
0: no, Matt Smith will announce that
2: he's leaving. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I can't say it. I, I would have thought if, if I if if I wanted to, it, not, I, if I wanted to, if I was an actor, I'm not an actor, if you know, and so on. Um, but I would have thought he'd leave it until twenty thirteen. Because if you're going to go, go with a bang and go there. Plus, is it about the money? Well, probably not. Um, But if it is, do you know what? I'm sure that contract gets quite lucrative after the third year. Um, Similarly it depends, you know, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to be known as the Doctor Who actor? I mean, David Tennant seems to be doing pretty well, um, having, been the, having been a Shakespearean actor, having, having left the role. He seems to be doing pretty well with other, with, yeah. with other work. I'm not so sure that Matt Smith would do that. And to be honest with you, I think what I'm doing is I'm just reacting to that and thinking, I don't want him to do that. <laughs> well, I don't
0: either. I don't. Want, well, Tennant didn't want to go, and we don't want Matt Smith to go. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, why do you think that Matt Smith may have um, difficulties achieving the same kind of success post Who that David Tennant has? I
2: don't think he would I don't think he would but I think he's a new actor in a new entertainment industry I don't think that people are quite so willing to uh, be as restrictive with actors as they were perhaps when we were younger and, and in generations before um, when I think of the other the, the actors who have played who played Doctor Who up until now the only ones who I think properly not, not even shook it off completely but carried on working in, in a distinctive way Troughton was always going to do that um, John Pertwee of course went on to become Werzel Gummidge and that was the other major role for him um, let's be honest Tom Baker never shook it off did he mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no exactly um, uh, Peter Davison again jobbing, jobbing character actor that's, fab- that's fabulous but, and, but, but with the best will in the world how did Colin Baker get on I'm not you know, I'm not so sure he did so well um in other roles no. or had quite such high pro- he's a brilliant actor fantastic man but I'm not so sure there was another Role as high-profile as the Doctor for him?
0: No, I, th- I think you're probably right, but he's certainly attained roles through Doctor I'll Who guess. that he wouldn't have done. It's the same as Sylvester McCoy, mm. and the only really well-known thing outside of Who that I know McCoy is for is is for the very recent announcement he's going to appear mm. in the Hobbit. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. I, I think one of the things that um, is new with new Who is that. Doctor Who has suddenly become this whopping great springboard and David Tennant has really, really sprung extremely high and you know much, much higher than Colin Baker or Sylvester McCoy. In fact, it must actually grate on them quite considerably as to the fact that the TV programme was made in such a different way because, of course, their careers could have been very different had they been cast as the Doctor now as opposed to when they actually were. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But certainly I think we won't be looking at more than a three-year tenure for Matt Smith, and we're entering, well, we're entering the year where we'll see the end of his second series. So you know, it is possible that we'll we'll hear that announcement at some point that Matt Smith will not be there for the fiftieth. We'll just have to yeah. wait and see. I,
2: I have no, I have no reservation in saying I hope you're wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, so do I. Don't get me wrong. This is nothing about you know me wanting to be right. Oh, no, no, uh, no. I, I'd very much like him to to stay. I've, I've just got used to him. You know, he's a bit like a pair of shoes that pinched to start with and are now actually quite comfortable and I'm loath to throw away because they're getting a bit shabby so it's a bad analogy sorry Matt Smith I don't normally compare you to feet
1: anyway. <laughs> I'm probably a good one to go next because my second prediction is a little bit like yours, James. Whereas but I don't think Matt Smith is going to leave. I think Amy and Rory will leave the series before Season 7 begins.
0: I do hope so.
1: <laughs> I do have a reason for this, and, and, and I was thinking about it quite a lot today. Their whole story arc seems to be going down the thing of courting, relationship, marriage. Now, what normally comes after a marriage at some point in, in most conventional marriages? Drug abuse. Divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Them too, but that doesn't stop you having a child. I really think at some point it's either going to happen in Series 6 or or we know it's going to happen in Series 7 that Amy and Rory will be expecting their first child. Now, how much of that gets played out in the actual series? Are we going to have a visibly pregnant Amy careering around the TARDIS console, Again. I don't know. But...
0: <laughs> Again, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Again, yes. Um, But I've, I really think those two will leave the series because they will be a family and you can't really have two families on the TARDIS.
0: Interesting. Well, I hope they'll leave because I don't like them very much, not necessarily because they're going to have family planning. I mean, it's not... um it's, it's no secret what I thought of Amy. I mean, I think I complained about her pretty much in every episode, um, with the exception <laughs> of the first two of um, Series 5. But certainly, looking at the way both those characters were used in A Christmas Carol, or should I say underused, then I think Doctor Who will be better off without them. And it, its I, I know you've got to have some kind of contemporary access point, because the Doctor simply doesn't provide that anymore because he's so eccentric. And Karen Gillan is a woman of, what, the 2010s or whatever you call this decade now. You know, she's 21st century uh, completely. Rory is, you know, a kind of Doctor Who fan in a way that you know, he, he's all there, um, but he has difficulty interacting with women.
1: He's like Adam. He's like Adric in a way he's he's even like Harry Sullivan to a certain extent he's definitely a- Harry
0: I, I'm not sure see I adore Harry and I'm not sure I like Rory being compared to him oh. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I I understand your point certainly but I, I wonder whether they'll actually go I mean you, you look at creations of Stephen Moffat they've always had a little bit of longevity Captain Jack is is the prime casing point and River Song as well as she's been around for a couple of seasons Moffat doesn't create characters that disappear soon they've they've they're planned they have an arc and I think you'll see it through to the conclusion and I wonder whether it is certainly in story terms going to be because they want to settle down on a nice planet somewhere and raise their um, you know small policeman or centurion
1: I really think we've already witnessed what the end of their arc will be I mean I I'd keep harking back to the to the Silurian story with the two of them seeing their future selves oh, over on the hill They've already moved in the middle age. They've already started doing tours of Britain and, you know, sort of checking out where the Doctor lands each time. That They already have established they have a life beyond the TARDIS, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, to me, it seems a very, very easy step to them leaving the TARDIS. And, and maybe the Matt Smith Doctor can revisit them at some point and have an adventure. But I think their time on the show is short. Well, yeah, three years. Th- three years. What? No, it won't
0: be three years, will it? If it's oh, uh, this if it's year. At some point, it'll be a year and a half on screen. Fair play. Um, yeah. So yeah. So fifty so percent. That's the first time Tom's got something wrong in about twenty podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, Tw- twenty right? minutes. Anyway, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's have uh, something else that Tom may get wrong. Let's have your next prediction, Tom. Um,
2: transgender time lord.
0: Right, let's move straight on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, Tom, we're all ears. Okay,
2: um, one of the things... <laughs> Sorry, I th- that came out of the blue a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> what, <laughs> Just a touch. One of the things that um, uh, Neil Gaiman apparently has said is that the, uh, an old adversary of the Doctors is returning in a new and unusual way, and I think that um, uh, someone who used to be known to the Doctor as
1: a man will return as a woman.
2: There. Uh, Shall right, I have okay. the bikini
1: ready for you this time next year, Tom? Or
2: I'm wearing mine now. I, I've, I, 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 I've been in mine for the last 16 months. I don't, know what, I don't know what you guys are getting on about. I just want you all to join me here. It's, um, like, it's like liberating.
1: <laughs> if I didn't think you were pulling our collective legs so totally, Tom, I, I would just say I, I, you, you're absolutely crazy. I, I don't understand that one at all. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going any further. It's just a gut feeling I've got,
2: and I feel so free.
0: (laughs) I think for the benefit of our poor listeners, you've got to expand on that theory just a little bit, because if there is even a grain of um, you being serious there, then I think you probably need to explain your rationale, which are normally so eloquently... (laughs) Okay,
2: I'm sorry. Okay, well, fine. One of the things I've noticed with um, Moffat-era Doctor Who, and certainly with uh, RTD-era Doctor Who as well, um, so New Who, is this... Way of being playful with canon, and as we probably all know, that I think around nineteen eighty or eighty one, when John Nathan Turner was was um, hunting for for the for the fifth Doctor, one of his publicity things was to say, "Well, oh yeah, well perhaps we'll we'll get a woman to play it," which is great. But and ever since, there's been this slight debate about can Time Lords change gender. And my my understanding of this is is that they can, based on nothing other than, well, why not? Why why shouldn't they be able to? If I put that into the Tom Blender in my head, um, and and uh, look at some of the set reports and listen to uh, read some of the things that have been floating about on Twitter, that Neil Gaiman says that uh, a familiar foe or familiar someone familiar to Doctor will return, but in a slightly new way. Then I just think it will be a Time Lord that he's known before. Um who 's changed the gender to become a woman or to become a man? It could be either way it could be romana, but i I doubt it I much i 'd love to see the return of Romana, but I do think we may see it we may see a Time Lord who was once male uh reappearing as a female that 's it that 's all i 've got. Well well so that's
0: no. i mean <laughs> i 've written off your theories in the past very, very hastily, Tom, and i 'm reluctant to do so quite so quickly. But my gut reaction no. is still I don't think Doctor Who will go there, but we'll we'll wait and see. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Uh, let's 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 move back onto some relatively safer territory <laughs> and have what is now my second but really boring prediction.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done well so far. That one about Matt Smith announcing his departure is pretty shocking.
0: Well, yeah, this one is quite boring, I think. Um I, I think for definite at long, long last we are going to hear Tom Baker on a big finish. Oh yes. Oh snap.
1: Uh, that's one of mine, too. Well, I hope yeah. you've got a reserved one. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do, actually, thank God. <laughs> I, I do think
0: it's, it's long overdue, and I, I know that this has been debated you know, in fandom circles for a long, long period of time now. But listening to the Big Finish panel at Gallifrey in 2010, I've never seen Nick Briggs so certain. Um, He was talking about it with fans. He said he's reached an agreement with Tom Baker. He was writing the scripts. um, And I I think Nick Briggs is actually writing at least one of these stories. Um, So we'll just have to wait and see whether it does materialise. One thing, of course, that you can absolutely predict with absolute certainty about Tom Baker is that he's absolutely unpredictable. So Mm. he may pull out at the last moment. He may have insisted on some kind of interesting contractual clause that allows him to pull out on the morning of the recording who knows but i i think in my mind i'm as secure and as confident as i can be that we'll be putting cds or downloading mp3s from big finish this year and tom baker will reprise his role as the doctor My, my question to you um again i didn't think i'd have much argument from either of the pair of you on that one but who do you think they'll pair him
1: up with louise jameson no two ways no, no. The the obvious is Elizabeth Sladen has to be, has to be.
2: But where's where's Elizabeth Sladen been in big finish so far? She, there's not been a companion chronicle, nothing. No,
0: the last time we saw Liz Sladen was for her own series, and that was before the Sarah Jane Adventures existed.
1: Mm. I suppose it depends whether we're talking about what we think will happen, or what we would like to happen, or what oh. in reality will happen.
2: Oh, I would like her. I, I, I would love it if 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 um, they could reach some sort of agreement, and Elizabeth Sladen would do something. That would be that would be lovely. Um, Mm. I've got to be honest though There is The pairing I think we're most likely to see Is Tom Baker and Louise Jameson they, Because frankly She's she's done so much work for Big Finish And she's brilliant anyway um,
0: Oh yeah but there's always Mary Tam as well And she's done a lot of work um, With the Companion Chronicle range And of course mm. she only had six stories On television With um, Was it six or seven in the key to time It was six wasn't it Six. Yeah, you yes, know, yes. so and, and a lot of people have got real affection for that particular series, and uh, I absolutely adore the interaction, particularly in stories like the Rebus operation and Pirate Planet between those two leads. And I would love to see those reunited in the same way. And I've absolutely no idea what the relationship is like now between these. You know where I'm going? Um, it's yes. with Lula Ward, <laughs> you know, L- Lala oh, Ward. Oh, okay, yeah, Lula I- Ward and Tom Baker be brilliant.
1: I was thinking Matthew Waterhouse, but I'm not sure what the relationship is. If it's anything like the Peter Davison-Matthew Waterhouse relationship, then it's not going to happen.
0: I don't think it's anywhere near as um, congenial as the Peter Davison relationship uh, Matthew Waterhouse (laughs) has with him, uh, reading his his book. But I'd love that to happen. I mean, Big Finish, I think, long since gave up on getting Matthew Waterhouse (laughs) in as much as they cast Andrew Sachs as... uh, Adric. But, you know, you mm. would never say never in these, these times. And Matthew Waterhouse has spurned fans until he suddenly got something to sell to them. And he's going to appear at Gallifrey um, this year as well. So, you know, it depends how big the check is, perhaps. And that's looking at it in a very cynical, mm. crude way. But, you know, one thing about the Fourth Doctor is that the choice is there. You think of how many companions that he had uh, during his time. Um, and not to mention, of course, Tom Baker was the reason for the Deadly Assassin coming into being because he was so determined to, you know, carry the show on his own and he said, I don't need a companion. The team agreed to it in order to prove him wrong and come up with one of the most, you know, respected and revered Doctor Who stories of all time. So
1: then that leaves us with two options. One I was thinking of oh, I thought Mary Tan would be a perfect fit merely because of the style of the stuff he's done recently with Hornet's Nest and all that sort of stuff. But I think Mary Tam would be a wonderful companion based on what we've already experienced of Tom Baker recently with those, I suppose, pseudo-talking books he's done. But then if you're saying, well, maybe Tom might only come back if it's only him, darling. I'm the only (laughs) one that needs to be on audio, (laughs) darling. Then could we get a solo adventure set around the time of The Deadly Assassin? I think
0: think it's possible. I think it's just as possible... um, That we'll get a solo Tom Baker adventure, as it is the Big Finish simply will not be able to resist having the fourth Doctor in a multi-Doctor story at last, notwithstanding Dimensions in Time. Have, you, have either of you heard the Gallifrey series?
2: Um, actually, do you know, that's interesting. I saw a photograph of the studio the studio day for that um, with Lala Ward, Mary Tam and Louise Jameson yeah. in it and I thought, I've got to listen to this.
0: It, it's good stuff, but you, you've got um, the two canines in, in that series, so two versions of the same character. So never say never, Tom. Wow.
2: Okay, um, this might be a bit lame, uh, but uh, based off (laughs) all the wonderful stuff that we've had coming out so far. But I was going to say the silence is a deliberate action on the part of the doctor. It's his choice and he chooses to make it.
1: Hmm. What do you think the
2: silence is then? I think it's the doctor stopping everything. To save somebody, I think that's it. And I think further to that, it's it'll happen in the middle of the season. You know, we've got this season broken up into two halves this year, so mm. I th- I think the first mm. half of the season will 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 be the doctor pressing the button to go like, all right, all stop. Wow, there you go. Interesting. You, you <laughs> may Interesting. well
0: be right, and the silence is something that I think has been planned by Mister Moffat right from, you know, when he he took over the reins, and he clearly wanted it to permeate what I think and I think I said at the time mm. the 11th Doctor era so I'm not so certain that we're actually going to get a resolution here because I think he'll want to you know keep the silence thing buzzing away in the background like it was in Catherine Jenkins' song mm. um, but without actually physically addressing it until his final few stories and I think you'll look back at the 11th Doctor and you'll say yeah that was the silence era but it spans an entire Doctor's tenure Oh um, the, time I of I the tell you
1: what? Go on could it, it would tie time, with what Tom's saying about he sets the silence in motion to save a life? Is it to save his own and to also give us an answer or a way out of the 12 regeneration limit?
2: oh, like a bit. oh like, wouldn't awesomely. that be exciting wouldn't oh, that
1: be exciting I, th-
0: I think we're all getting quite interested about that idea yeah and I wonder if you're right and if we are we'll have to replay this conversation on a future podcast Woo-hoo! to say hey guys mm. we right." but I, I think you're right and I do think the regeneration limit and we've spoken about this issue on several occasions I know but I do think that will be addressed in Matt Smith's era it's got to be too tempting not to I think either that or it's got to be I don't know something going wrong with Matt Smith's regeneration into the Twelfth Doctor, um, meaning that the limit is, is is changed or something. Wow! But what, um,
2: what if we'll have to say what if it takes takes on board what you were saying earlier on, where as much as okay, it starts halfway through the season and it fails. Drastically Well it's
0: Again Wouldn't put it past Moffat to do that uh, Wouldn't put uh. it past We'll have to
1: but Wouldn't that make A dark Doctor Who though Oh god I yeah. mean that, that sounds like A wonderful thing to do For us older fans who, who will put up with it But my goodness I mean we've already I suppose Semi-criticised The Stephen Moffat era For being a little bit More grim my goodness, I mean, if we yeah. had an aborted regeneration, my goodness.
0: Yeah, but you think about it. I mean, yeah, we have said that Matt Smith's era is definitely darker and in certain areas it's much more adult. The next podcast we're talking about how he appeals to children and how well that the 11th Doctor seems to relate mm. to, to, to children. So what Moff, what we're actually saying, but not saying it explicitly, is that Moffat has got a way of blending both really dark, evocative Doctor Who with something very accessible to children Mm. which is very light and flippant and uh, I think the Christmas Carol we've just reviewed is an absolute prime example of that, on some levels it's incredibly dark, you know, it's all about someone dying and depending on your point of view, you could say the Doctor let her die in order to prove a point to Kazran, that's a dark undertone and yet it's clearly meant to be a bit of fluff for the casual audience, so Mm. Does he just not do both really well?
2: That would be an award-winning writer in charge of an award-winning show, wouldn't it? Well, there you go. Actually, look, I've got to ask, actually. Um, Christmas, a Christmas Carol, what were the fish all about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I heard on the Ucast recently, they, they thought they'd missed out on a gag where they should have had flying fish and chips, and I laughed out loud on the central <laughs> <Bible>. <laughs> <laughs> Those people Very are
2: great, we, we, those people are good. Hello Chris, hello Laura, hello Ood people, miss you.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, quite what they're all about, I'm not certain, but as I said at the time, I thought they were brilliantly realised and I didn't have a problem with it, um, but I've heard them compare by the Tin Dog to Finding Nemo, <laughs> uh, by the production team to Jaws, um, you know, it's an all manner of things, but I, I just think it all, all worked. <laughs>
2: Well the silence may fall for season 6 but the silence is falling for me as i have to uh, run off into the wilds of south west england so the only other prediction i've got left for this week is that i will see you all next week ooh i didn't see that one coming did you trev
1: oh i think we can take that one to the bank somehow i think that you can pretty much bet the house on that one <laughs> okay. see you next week tom take it Catch easy you later, tom.
0: bye bye <laughs> Okay, my next prediction is that, Trev, it's your turn.
1: Oh, very well done. Okay, well, you stole my one about um, Big Finish recording an audio with Tom Baker, so I can't say that one. Um, my, my last prediction, although I do, I do have one other small prediction, but that's tied in with Amy and Rory leaving before Series 7, that we're actually going to see okay. a new okay. companion for The Doctor at least announced before the beginning of Season 7. Now That's sort of tied in with the fact that I believe Amy and Rory are going to leave, so that, that's a bit of a given because I, I think the only thing that's in the air is will it be male or will it be female? Now, it, it, it would be my fervent hope that it would be male, but somehow I think even with Stephen Moffat in charge, we're going to get another female companion.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, But just to be clear, you're talking about Series 7 being the second half of the 2011 series, yeah? No,
1: no, no. Well, I, I consider what we're seeing in 2011 all part of Series 6. Isn't that the case? Oh,
0: right. OK. Um, well, I, it depends who you speak to. Um, I think when Stephen Moffat made the announcement, he said that we're going to get two series of Doctor Who in 2011, and therefore some elements of fandom have been calling the first few episodes Series 6 and the oh. second few episodes Series 7. Um, so I thought we ought to be just uh, clear on this. So you think we'll see Amy and Rory disappear at some point in 2011? Yes. That's your... Um, right, OK. Well, yeah, okay. then if we're talking about new companions, then I think you have to take into account what's gone on in the past and the kind of dynamic and relationship they've had with the Doctor in those tenures. And I think we're probably running out, in all honesty, of scenarios. We've we've had Rose being in love with the Doctor. We've had um, Martha having the unrequited love with the Doctor. We've had Donna being just a friend. We've had the Doctor on his own. We've now got Doctor with Amy, and that's a bit of a weird kind of relationship. And that you know, the Amy seems to kind of lust after the Doctor in a completely non-romantic way. And you've got Rory who is just there. So, what kind of dynamic is there left to have? With a new companion, whether it's male or female,
1: I don't know. Call call be old-fashioned, but what's wrong with just having a companion there and letting the dynamic mature during a series? Uh, I mean, it it just really annoys me these days that companions cycle has to be worked out in advance, and you have to know you know the beginning, <laughs> and the middle, and the end. I mean. I'm sure they didn't do this in the classic era. Sure, they might have had an idea of what the companion was like, you know, headstrong or wishy washy or, wishy-washy or um, you know, was very brainy or something like that. But part of the beauty about companions in the classic era is that I think they developed as it went along almost organically. Whereas these days, I don't think that really happens. I, I think every companion seems to be so mapped out. That yeah. it just makes it a little bit more clinical. So yeah, I, I I would just love to see a companion introduced. You know, whether it be male or female, and just let's have some adventures and let, let's just let's just see what the writers come up with, or let's see what the producer comes up with as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I, I don't think it will happen though, because I think the way the modern companion, or the way television is made, or even the way TV audiences are these days, they have to emote. They have to emotionally invest in the companion. And as much as I've, as I don't always like the way the dynamic is established between the Doctor and the companions these days, I do think it's a way for the audience to access the characters, to access the story, to care about them a little bit more than the way that they were portrayed in a classic series. And I think you can count probably maybe Sarah Jane and Ace as the two obvious classic companions you can actually emote with and empathise with. The others, you know, were a little bit two-dimensional. It wasn't... The scripts weren't as character-based around those companions, They were just kind of there. They were a foil for the Doctor to show how clever the Doctor was. The role of the Companion has changed fundamentally since Mm. 2005, and I think that's acknowledged in Russell T Davies actually naming the first episode of Doctor Who Rose. And when Martha Jones came in, it was Smith and Jones. And, of course, I, I think he actually has said now he toyed with the idea of calling what became Smith and Jones Martha. It's because the companion plays that big role. Now you would not have had a story back in a classic era called Sarah Jane Smith mm. or Ian Chesterton. It just didn't didn't happen, and uh, I, I think that's why we probably won't just get an organically grown friendship. Uh, I think the closest we've had to that is Donna, um, but we'll we'll wait and see what happens. Um, I would like to see a male companion very much, um, but I think you're right. I think the chances of that are practically zero. And I I, I really don't know where to go in terms of predicting what they're going to be like Mm. or how they're going to meet them. Perhaps an alien companion?
1: That would be nice, but I think it goes against everything Doctor Who has represented for the production team, I think, anyway, since 2005, that we need that link to Earth, whether it's just through the companion or whether it's through the incredible amount of Earth-based stories. I I would love an alien companion because I think Big Finish have done some fantastic stuff with companions that aren't just 20 or 21st century people that they're either aliens yes. or they're historical yes. characters or um you know they've done different sort of stuff but in the tv show no no very very middle of the road yeah. they've gone
0: no i i agree and um well we'll have to wait and see whether that develops but uh, an interesting point nonetheless did you say that you had another prediction as well
1: i did have one other but that? it but it's uh it's kind of a jokey one um 2011, we'll still not see a console game about Doctor Who that doesn't suck totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen the recent crop, but I've heard plenty of reviews and uh, the, the Wii game in particular, which is oh.
1: uh, was either Return
0: to Earth or Evacuation Earth. Have you seen that? Have you played it?
1: I've played the Wii game. I've played the Nintendo game. I Oh, wow. I, I played the iPad game, which... I don't think we've still realised the full potential of what a Doctor Who game could give us. Even with our modern technology, they're still just as bad as um, well, all the ones we got during the 80s and 90s, if not worse.
0: Well, there's a, a very comprehensive review of both games over on the latest version of The Flashing Blades. and They're very, very long. It has to be said, one of their listeners has sent in some feedback. But if you're interested in getting a very comprehensive view of those... Um those two games, and take a listen to that particular mm. show. But I, I, I would very much like to um, play something on the Wii. I just a not not had the console, and b I don't think I'd have the time. Uh, but from the screenshots that I've seen, then it doesn't look anything, you know, significantly better than the free games that the BBC no. uh, made available to download. So. They're not.
1: I mean, uh, I mean, the Wii console's made for kids anyway, and we yeah. we got one for Christmas, and the kids are loving it, but me as an adult can 't get into it very much because I enjoy the Xbox 360 type of uh, games which which, right. which are a bit more in depth, which have far better graphics for a start so um, but that's mm. just my...
0: I, I seem to remember something's knocking around my brain about a new Doctor Who game coming out on another console. i don't think it was a Sony console, but um, can't remember and, and and again, I think that may possibly have been aimed at a slightly older. Audience, but um, yeah, I, w- one, one thing is for certain is that people have realised there is a market, there is money to be made out of Doctor Who games or console games. Can't call them video games anymore, really, can you? Mm, no, you can,
1: that's right. What's
0: video about it? Um, <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm just interested in in actually finding a game that rivals a the free ones that the BBC released, or b Destiny of the Doctors that came out on the older PC uh, with Anthony Ainley's last performance as the Master. Because um, that was a really good game, you know, mm. over 10, 15, well, 10, 12, 15 years ago now.
1: Mm. Do, you, do you have one more?
0: I do indeed, and again, this isn't um, a terribly interesting one, and it's one—or well, it might be to you actually. But uh, given that both you and I are attending Gallifrey, have we mentioned that before, Trev? I'm not sure whether we
1: have mentioned it. We go
0: into Gallifrey. <laughs> Can't wait! It's less than five weeks away. At, I, know, at the time of
1: recording. I know. It's exciting. Anyway, what's what's your last prediction, James? Tell me, tell me. Well,
0: this is kind of mixing my prediction with a bit of recent Doctor Who news, and I don't know whether you've seen this yet, Trev. But David Tennant has announced his engagement to Georgia Moffat. P- Davidson's daughter and that was about a week or so ago now mm. something like mm. that and as we know the star billing at Gallifrey this year is Peach Davidson. Now George and Moffat attended Gallifrey for the first time last year and we know that Davidson and Tennant are friends and certainly very good work colleagues to boot and the fifth doctor was David Tennant's doctor so Who knows, given that David Tennant actually recorded a special piece of video for last year's Gallifrey convention, are we going to see a surprise visit from David Tennant in LA in five weeks' time?
1: Ooh, that would be nice. You know, the only way all our listeners are going to be able to uh, figure that out is to attend. Come along. (laughs) (laughs) They've got to be at Gallifrey 22.
0: Well, if if you can't attend, then we'll be bringing you fairly comprehensive coverage. Both Trev and I will be there, and the intention, I think, is to record pretty much non-stop for the three days <laughs> that we're there. Um, so it'll be quite an interesting set of podcasts or recordings that you get. And uh, Because one thing about Gallifrey, despite the fact that children do attend, and they've even got a, a schedule for... Um, For very young children now Alcohol does flow quite freely in the evenings And when you get a whole bunch of slightly non-sober podcasters With a whole bunch of recording devices Then the outcome is quite interesting (laughs) So you never know what you might get on this feed in a couple of weeks' time But... uh, One really good thing about Gallifrey is that the access to the stars is um, quite unlike any other convention I've been to, and um, they walk through the lobby, they're happy to speak to anybody. I have a feeling it might be slightly different if Mr Tennant arrives, because he will be absolutely hounded, I would imagine, Mm. but you never know. We'll just have to wait and see. So it's not so much a prediction, really, it's a kind of hope, hope. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's been on Twitter, people have been speculating about it, so... You never know, um yeah, so we just just have to wait and see and I have got one final prediction actually, Trev, but okay. it 's a very, very short one all right. I believe that we will receive a piece of feedback from someone listening to us whilst taking a bath
1: <laughs> now well that's that's very true yeah i'm I'm wondering whether they've actually uh sent this via Facebook when they 've been in the bath because we while we've been recording. We've received this uh, bit of feedback from one of our wonderful <laughs> listeners. We, we won't mention you by name, whoever you are, because it might embarrass you. But he's just sent a bit of feedback saying, um, just listen to your Christmas Carol review episode in the bath. Good to have you back, Trev. Now, well, I'm not really sure how I feel about people listening to the podcast in the bath, apart from the obvious electrocution uh, possibilities <laughs> with regards to having an electrical device near water. But... Um, I, I think it, I think we might make it a stipulation for all future uh, Doctor podcasts that uh, one must have at least one item of clothing on while listening to our show. How about absolutely?
0: That? Prefer- preferably more if you're male. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, uh, we we do not run a clothing optional podcast. I'm afraid. So, um, but but thank you for that feedback.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. That's one of the most interesting bits of feedback we've had, and it's only one line long. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, you know who you are.
1: <laughs> oh yes. So if you want to get your stuff read out on the show, be controversial and send it around 8 to 9 p.m. on a Sunday night Australian time or 10 to 11 a.m. UK time on a Sunday, because then you'll probably get it read out on the show. But anyway.
0: Okay, and that leads nicely into something else that uh, I wanted to announce here. Now, for Christmas, I received a rather special, flashy Doctor Who calendar for 2011. It's got pictures of Matt Smith, Karen Gillan and various other screenshots from from Series 5. And unfortunately, we got seven other calendars for Christmas, so... My wife decided that this was the one that needed to go, no. so I'm offering it up for a prize. Does she not?
1: Owe, does she not know who she's married to, James? My
0: goodness. Well, yes, she does. But I mean, to be fair, Trev, she's got six Daleks littered around our bookcases. <laughs> one, one of the first words our daughter said was "exterminate." Oh, um, bliss! I, you know, I, I've got to give her a little bit of, uh, of credit here. So I, I've got to defer to her in, in some things and. Elvis Presley is now adorning the wall in the kitchen uh, on his own calendar. So I'm afraid Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, you're going to have to be offered up as a prize. But what we would like to hear is in one line, emphasis on one line. Any more than one line, and you'll be disqualified. <laughs> but in one line, what is the most innovative place you have listened to the Doctor Who podcast? Oh, awesome. And let's say, let's say, just in the interests of uh, comedic value, it doesn't necessarily have to be completely truthful. But you can embellish the truth. <laughs> but we'd like to know whereabouts it is that you've been listening to the Doctor Who podcast. And let's let's run this until the end of January, given that it is a 2011 calendar. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast before the end of January 2011, send us in an email. It has to be an email to feedback at the Doctor Who dot com with the subject header competition, please. And we'll make an announcement and we'll read out some of them uh, during February, I guess.
1: Awesome. That sounds good. I almost want to enter myself. But there's probably some term and condition about employees <laughs> of, the, uh, of the DWP that can't enter, I suppose, isn't there?
0: <laughs> well, it depends also. Where, where do you listen to the Doctor Who podcast, Trev? That's um, interesting.
1: At my computer table when I edit it. Does that count as exotic and exciting? No?
0: Well, exotic for me, yes, because you're in Australia, (laughs) but exciting, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) But anyway, listeners, we'll let you come up with some, uh, you know, really interesting places. And uh, I I think the best one that I had uh, on another podcast that I I, I run was in an MRI scanner when they were having their bones um, examined. Oh, wow. Or something. You uh, you would wonder whether it would work. well, or even if it's allowed, given the radioactivity. Well, but, true. See, it was said in all honesty. Well, it was said in all honesty. I took it as true. On another so,
1: podcast yeah. I was involved with, I had an email from someone that said, I'm listening to your podcast on the steps of Mount Fuji. I went, oh, wow. wow. How awesome. Is
0: that the big, is that the mountain where Kodak are based, or is it, <laughs> uh, I don't know, or Fiji? <laughs> I don't know. My geography is terrible. Anyway, I
1: think we should probably wrap up here, Trevor. <laughs> I think so after that terrible joke, <laughs> definitely. Yes. So, yeah, so those are our predictions for what we think will be happening in this calendar year for uh, Doctor Who in general. And uh, there's certainly plenty of predictions there that we can be staggeringly wrong about uh, this time next year when we come back to review this particular episode. So and, and also send in what you think will happen in 2011. Get on our forums and oh, yeah. start a thread and... Yeah. Let us know what you think will be happening in Doctor Who, any part of Doctor Who, in the next year or so. We would love to read what you think and whether we're wrong or whether we're uh, totally and utterly right.
0: <laughs> well, yes. I suppose it's a first time for everything. But uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to go back and listen to this recording at about 12 months'
1: time. Mm, definitely. Most so. definitely, definitely. <laughs> Oh well, well, I think we might have to uh, say sidar and farewell to you, our wonderful listeners. And don't forget, um, if you want to hear the unedited Christmas Carol preparations, jump on the forums and check out the thread. Or if you want a bed while you're staying at uh, Gallifrey Twenty Two, then please get in touch with me at trevorthedoctypodcast dot com. So. Thank you, James, for joining me today. It's been fantastic fun.
0: Absolute pleasure. This is um, something we're going to have to try and do again in the future, I think. Mm. I I predict um, uh,
1: we'll be doing this at some other point in the future.
0: Ah, I predict we'll be doing the news on the next episode of the Doctor Who podcast.
1: Uncanny, uncanny. It's incredible how you can predict that, James. We are indeed covering all the Doctor Who news that there there is no predictions, no falsehoods, just hard (laughs) fact in the next episode of the Doctor Podcast. So, uh, bye-bye, Tom, even though you're not here. Bye, Tom. So, we'll see you all next week, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye for now.
1: That was the Doctor Who
0: Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.